Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Good evening. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon. I am your host and your groove mistress, Jennifer Perry, Madam Perry. You can call me Jen, JP, Perry, Madam, whatever. All I know is I'm happy to be here and I am happy to still have this podcast going on because all the fascinating people I get to meet and bring to you and all the nice things that you tell me, uh, that people tell me in messages or on social media, or in the reviews that you leave about what you like about the show. And as I've told some people that are new, uh, maybe a new guest, I'll say, you know, the things about my listeners, and for which I am truly grateful, is that I know on some of the reviews, people will say, and, and I've had this several times, if it's somebody, it could be somebody famous, somebody that you've been a fan of for a while and you're excited, or it could be somebody you've never heard of, but you still listen uh, because you find new people that you enjoy. And also, I have found often that if the guests may not be as well known to everyone, I find that you guys tend to go do some homework, uh, read, get some information, and you're all prepared for the show. And I, I am just um, in awe, often because by then you know more than, than I know about them, which may not be a wealth of information, but um, it, it just delights me that I'm bringing people to you, known or unknown to you, that you enjoy and learn from and share these with other people, especially when you follow, subscribe, and you know we're on all kinds of podcast apps um, Stitcher, Spotify, oh yes, and good old Spotify sent me a message today, or sent to all podcasters saying that now people who listen to podcasts on Spotify can rate the podcast on Spotify. So um, yeah, go right ahead and do that too. Now, tonight's guest has been on here several times. He's one of our favorite people, has his own, his own special cushion here in the Genie Bottle. And he's been on uh, with groups of people. And it's always about something different and always something fascinating. Although I have yet to meet him in real life, he's right here in Atlanta, Georgia with me, and and hope to meet him and his family one day, one day when we're, everybody's getting back together again. Uh, he's a professor, psychiatrist, uh I want to say, of course, he's a doctor, psychiatrist, uh, physician, professor. And yet, I also know him as a writer because he was on recently, too, with his sister, who is a famous uh, legal analyst. Well, she's an attorney, but a legal analyst on, uh, has been on CNN, MSNBC, and several channels, and Brimner. And now he's back to talk about something that I am totally enamored of right now, and that is his film. It's called Inheritance Italian Style. 
So please welcome once again, Dr. Doug Bremner to Madam Perry Salon. Hello, Doug. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me on again. Glad. I hope I didn't talk so long that I put you to sleep. No, no. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, if um, I know I'm skipping ahead here, but should you decide to uh, make your next film animated, my guest tomorrow night is Brandy Stillwell. And she, first time she was on, it's because she had a comic book out with a character she created. Uh, it's called Sasquatch Detective. And it's a character she created doing improv in L.A., um, Tanya Lightfoot, Sasquatch, who's a detective. And then it became a comic book. And also, um, and she's worked on a lot of things like um, uh, a lot of film, TV, and then also on things like Family Guy and American Dad and shows like that. So I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking you, there may be an animated film in your future. Just giving a little, a little, little madam. I don't know, um, psychic reading here. That's all. Have you thought about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually, um, we wrote a screenplay for an animated film uh, with uh, a friend of mine. He's a doctor named Neil Shulman yeah. and uh, Zoe Howgo. Yeah, and um, it was uh, he created these these little toys like for uh that he called what's in a doctor's bag so he had like a you know stethoscope that was like a one particular animal and then a another one looked like a uh otoscope and and that sort of thing and so we created this um storyline about the the doctor bag animals and and it was an animation we never never got shot though but my next yeah. film i always thought it was the, the next film, the one I've been trying to, to put together now, it's called The Goose of the, the Golden Egg, and it's based on my experience as an expert witness in uh, drug safety litigation. And, and I always kind of imagined the opening scene to be like a, an animation that would be kind of a funny thing of a goose flying around, but instead of having golden eggs in its nest, it would have pills. Because <laughs> that's actually the cover of the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my uh, my private my side on that later privately, but uh, okay. Well, that's good, and you know too, and and especially nowadays, you know, something being animated definitely does not trivialize it because um, I remember years ago seeing, uh, I think it was Andrew Aiden, the writer. He was also working for uh, Congressman John Lewis at the time, and I, they were at the. Um, Book Expo America, and said so every time John Lewis will say, "How can we reach younger people and let them know about civil rights?" But how can we reach young people? How do we? And every time Andrew Aiden said, "Well, you ever thought about doing a graphic novel?" No, I don't want to do a cartoon. I want to do a. I want to reach people. Yeah, have you ever thought about a graphic <laughs> novel? No, have no, I? Andrew. Yeah, no, no. That's what he kept saying uh, to yeah, Andrew. Yeah, they. Yeah, and they they did write that. They yeah, they that. did. So yeah, because yeah, when when yeah, the first that. book came out, that's when I met. Uh, that's when I was at Book Expo and he was there talking about it. So it's like they finally convinced him, you know. And then they end up making mm-hmm. I think three books: March one, two, and three. So yeah, keep that in mind. Um, so okay, so this movie 
Your movie is called, and it's, and it's not brand new. It's been out for a while, so a lot of people have already seen it. But it's called Inheritance Italian Style. I believe was the original name Catania. Yeah, the original name was Catania, but um, it's you know it's been out for a while. But we had a couple distributors go bankrupt, so now is like really the first time that it's on all venues, you know, and with correct subtitles and all that. So I've been sort of trying to get the word out now since it's kind of out there with the company that won't go bankrupt. And, you know, so I think it will be out there for a while. Oh, that's a good thing. That's a a good feeling. Uh, So (laughs) you wrote the story. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so just to make so, so for people who may not be familiar with it yet, you wrote the story, um, and you've got a good. You're you're not from Italy, are you? No, but my wife is, so I kind of you know loosely based it on what I know about like her family. Mm-hmm. So it's not about so, her family. It's just sort of that was just sort of a starting point. It's <laughs> sort of a you know ridiculous story, and everything's sort of exaggerated and. and um, <laughs> You know, because it's a comedy. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I want to make sure we know this is this is not your um, yeah this is not my life story. <laughs> not my real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so but but because you know your wife is Italian, you you spend a lot of time in Italy meeting family and um, you learned Italian, and so you became yeah. quite um, quite immersed or part of or. or um, very comfortable. You seem to fit in the culture quite well. Yeah, and and the story was about how the um, you know there's five sisters that go back to their home in Sicily and and they're dividing up the family art and furniture and and then they start to argue about it and it can only really work in Italy because in in, in Italy they do that because the inheritance is so complicated and the the courts are so backlogged and everything they're more likely to divide up things when the parents are still alive, you know? So that was kind of the basis of the story. Uh-huh. And at one point, some people said, well, we should, because we filmed it in Atlanta and then we used stock footage to make it look like it's in Sicily. And so some people said, to go to, you know, have everyone go to Italy to film it, it would have cost millions of dollars. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so people said, well, we should make the story like said in the U S because we, rather than sort of, you know, make it look like it's Italy, but, it wouldn't really work because nobody does that. Nobody divides up inheritance <laughs> while everyone is still alive. <laughs> Hopefully not, anyway. <laughs> now, not to my knowledge, and I've been the administrator of an intestate estate for the last two years. So, yeah, I know it's a very different thing here. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, very, very different because you've got to take care of the culture and the way the courts are there and how things are done. So I wasn't aware, but that certainly makes sense, though, that they, if the courts are back, like, go ahead and divide it up now. So there's a, saves a lot of fighting afterwards. Yeah, I or had whatever. a friend who's Italian who, who had a, um, you know, they had some litigation that was like 30 years ago and then 30 years after the fact. They like they say, oh, here's your check for five hundred dollars. She couldn't even remember what it was for. <laughs> okay. So, well, let me. Okay, so here's the sense. It's about the the sisters, five sisters go back home to Sicily, um, to divide the family art and furniture. Um, now, some of the the 
descriptions say chaos ensues. Um, <laughs> and yet, I got to tell you, you mentioned uh, Neil Shulman earlier. I recognized him right off. And for anybody yeah. who doesn't know who Neil Shulman is, would you just tell the audience? Yeah, so Neil is a, a friend of mine. He's a um, he's a doctor, and um, he wrote. You know, he's also a writer. He wrote several books. Um, one was, I think, the original title was "What I'm a Doctor" or something like that, and it mm-hmm. eventually became the screenplay for a movie called Doc Hollywood that starred Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and you know, it did very well. It was made by Warner Brothers and was successful. They filmed it in a small town in northern Florida. But the story was about him, uh, this doctor coming from, um, you know, it was sort of based on Neil originally coming from, I guess it would be Maryland to, to, um, to Atlanta to, you know, to, be a doctor at Emory University, but in the stories, he's coming from Hollywood, and he's sort of like this, drives a nice car, and he's kind of well-dressed and stuff, and he's driving through Alabama, and he gets a speeding ticket, and <laughs> and then to make a long story short, he, they end up kind of keeping him there because they need a doctor, and so then there's all the things that happened with him being stuck in this town in Alabama, but they the, the actual town was a small town in in Northern Florida, but that was, that was the storyline. And, and um, so he did well with that. And then he's written a number of, but then he also worked as a, uh, like a doctor clown and kind of like Patch Adams. He was friends with Patch Adams and actually, yeah, actually both Neil and Patch Adams have been executive producers on the, on the film that I'm trying to make now. And then in the original inheritance film, Neil played the opposite minded professor. I thought he did a really good job because he just sort of, played himself more or less <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it was like it, it, you know when you see someone like him i mean i've never met him in person um i have that book what i'm a doctor but uh when he just came on i just you know knows him. It, it, with someone like that you know you you already elevated it, it is a mood elevator oh neil's in there you know and he also kind of perk <laughs> up and uh and it kind of brings a different kind of a real special energy to you so um yeah, he's fantastic. You could see him. I could see him in a Marx Brothers film, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just sort of the way he acts is just sort of he's just sort of funny as it is because he is he he has a sort of in the film he's playing this character, the absent-minded professor who's wandering around looking for his cat and he's kind of <laughs> oblivious to everything that's going on around him. And yes. you know, that's kind of the way he is. He's kind of like in his own world, you know. <laughs> in real life, so it wasn't really a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so the five sisters go back, they're dividing, they all sort of land in town, and and we get the the expository, you know, things we get to know who, a little bit about each one, Um, and some of them have kids that they bring, some of them seem to be, also bring not just their, um, not just their kids, or their perceptions about what they do and don't want to each other. They also seem to bring their own insecurities. Each one seems to want to start off, you know, telling who they are. And it's it's more than just an expository of a character. It's like uh, they each have to justify who they are before they start getting around their siblings. And maybe that's just my Yeah, so they're, they're, 
Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, the point is, that, like, it's sort of a neurotic family, and, and all the children are, are like, high achievers, you know, and went to the U.S. or to other countries to, you know, which happens in Italy, right? I mean, you know, sometimes they feel like if they're ambitious, they can't go as far unless they go away to the U.S. or to London or something like that. And they have successful careers, but then they're kind of insecure, and so then they when they come home, they have to immediately tell what their accomplishments are. You know, we just landed another account or we just opened up a nuclear power plant in Switzerland and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but they're usually like, you know, it's like we just created a new drug for diabetes. And then it's like, well, isn't there already enough drugs for diabetes? <laughs> so, and I've, I've or does the world few... really need another nuclear power plant? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was almost like some, uh, like some old friends, like old comics when they get together and heckle each other, almost, you know. But yeah, yeah, not yeah. quite as hard, but in a, in a little subtle um, undertone there. So they get there, and then they're they're starting to have dinner. And you and you get a, a little glimpse of everyone's personalities and their families. I gotta ask you something, and I mean this because it's really it's a, something that I really enjoy. It made me remember some of my favorite stories or some of my favorite films written by people like um, Moss Hart and George S. Kaufman. Mm-hmm. You know, or like the man who came to dinner type of things where he'd have these mm-hmm. eccentric characters and the people that come in and out. It was just, to me, it was that kind of. Well, I like to, you know, make the characters really distinct, you know, so sometimes it's it means um, – even a little bit exaggerated, you know? So, mm-hmm. and sometimes people, you know, it can be kind of like, you know, pushing the envelope a little bit, but that way you, um, and, and some people, sometimes some people, you know, like the Italian Americans might think, well, you're kind of making fun of Italy or something, but, you know, we actually own a, have a farm in Italy. So we're, we're pretty, <laughs> we're pretty connected, but it was, it wasn't just, it's just that the Italy was just sort of a vehicle to, you know, create a mm-hmm. kind of a ridiculous story about the family. And then, it, and, you know, sometimes the, the character traits of the, the, the people, if you make them kind of exaggerated, then, they, then the characters stand out in your mind and you can kind of keep track of who is who, which is kind of difficult in this, this family. There's like 14 people. So you had to make them stand out. Otherwise, you don't want them to all look the same. And then you don't remember who is who. True, because they do... Uh, the sisters do look alike enough to be sisters. Yeah. And, uh, especially three of, them, of were, them. You know, yeah. Three of them. Yeah. Which, oh, the, um, yeah. So like, you know, one of them is actually yeah. Italian American and then, and then two others were, you know, kind of dark haired and stuff. And then the, the one sister was meant to stand out as, on purpose, you know, so she was the, the blonde who looked different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, they found out why, because she had a different parent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I just, uh, and, it, and sometimes the things just grab me. Tristesa. Wait. I didn't Tristana. Know. Tristana, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking the, yeah, the word yeah. Um, when you first meet her, and then the kids go, "There's a lady under the car," you know. <laughs> okay. 
And, you know, I don't remember her line, but I just know basically what it meant was get lost, kids. You know, just sort of like I'm under the car when I get myself. But she, um, each one just had such a, a richness and a depth in their own personality, their own characters, that were, uh, and the way that the actors uh, brought that to life, that uh, it was fun. It was enchanting. Um, how How difficult is it to do that? Because, you know, sometimes you see films that never – quite get to that point um and and i mean i remember taking my uh niece years ago to a movie and we decided to leave in the middle and i said you and the, and the character was dying in the film i said you don't want to stay and see her die and she said aunt jennifer i don't want to stay and see her live so i thought that's a pretty boring <laughs> movie <laughs> that's pretty funny <laughs> So, whereas, you know, you, I just, I know you're not going to give away your secrets, but I mean, you brought these characters to where, you know, we do care, and we do stay interested in each one of them. Well, like, what I do is I'll write, uh, um, you know, like a, like a backstory about all of them, that they can go on for pages and pages, and have a lot of stuff in, in there that doesn't necessarily come out in the film, but it's sort of like, but if, you know, if you're writing and then you have that backstory, then you say, oh, well, let's say that she, you know, you know, decides that she wants to go eat a donut or something, but then you say, oh, well, she can't do that because she choked on the donut when she was two years old or something, you know, mm-hmm. but that may not have, so it'll, it'll kind of create more of a, um, you know, more of a developed character because there is this, all this information, you know, like one of the screenplays I wrote, I, I, uh, you know, I, I had the character be born in a house in Jersey City, and I even had the address. <laughs> and then I went up to Jersey City to go to a film festival, and I went to the address, and there was this this building there. It was like a Italian pizza place with the apartment on top. It's like, oh, that's where Johnny came from. That's so great, you know. And I went to his high school, and I took pictures of the high school, and it was like, you know, like a, you know, like touring your old you know, hometown or something, but it was a place I'd never even been to before. It was, it was in uh, New Jersey, um, Morristown, I think. I can't remember what it was, but anyway, so and that was just like, oh, let's go look up where he was actually born because I had written that, you know, a few years before mm-hmm. and I happened to be in town. So, but with, and then with these ones, they, um, you know, each one is different, you know, so one, character has depression and then another one is sort of insecure about her you know being accept- her accomplishments being accepted and you know another one is sort of trying to you know kind of discover herself and you know so they're all they're all have different threads um, and yeah. then you have to put a certain amount of time into letting them kind of you know say stuff that kind of reveals you know what what drives them <laughs> so, uh, I saw when I'm watching a video uh, you talked about being in Italy and that you would go with your you know wife and the family you would go to this apartment you know and ride and then come down and join the family I've heard you know some uh, playwrights talk about um, maybe like David Mamet and people 
uh, and, and I forget who else, saying that sometimes they would just eavesdrop on conversations in restaurants or somewhere to pick up great lines of dialogue. Did you, did you find uh, that to be a valuable thing to do? Yeah, I do that. And it's sort of like, it's kind of interesting because it's, um, they're trying to write exactly the way people talk, you know, especially uh-huh. people from different races and backgrounds and educational levels and stuff. Cause everybody has a different way of, of talking and mm-hmm. a lot of their background kind of drives the way that the language they use. But it's like, if you, if you exactly, the interesting thing is if, if you exactly um, copy the way people really talk, it doesn't work because huh. they, then you get a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> kind of gar- garbage language. And so it's kind of a art to make it, make the dialogue look like the the way that people really talk, but, you know, without just being a, well, you can't just kind of use the recording, if you will. Another thing I do is I'll, I'll just read the lines into my phone and record them and then listen mm-hmm. back and then just keep doing that over and over, you know, to make it kind of polish it. How did you, I mean, a film a movie is is quite a big undertaking. How did you decide? Had you had you always written or written stories, shorter pieces, or what? What was it that led you up there to to actually create, to write a script, to cast, uh, to produce, to direct a film? Well, you know, I, I've always wanted to be a writer, and then you know they told me, well, go to medical school, and then you can write at night time and stuff, which is kind of what happened, <laughs> but um. <laughs> but uh I started out writing books that were um about you know kind of medical topics like I wrote the stress damage the brain and then I wrote one with penguin called before you take that pill why the drug industry may be bad for your health so that was kind of aimed at a, at a what they call trade it was like aimed at the average person and um and then I uh um you know I was actually telling Neil Shulman about this story about how my experience of being a, an expert witness in drug safety litigation, it's real dramatic because you know, there's a lot of money involved and all these lawyers and all this time in court. And, and um, so he said, that sounds like a movie. You should write a screenplay. So I wrote, wrote it as a screenplay and then I eventually converted it into a book, you know, which, which is called the goose that laid the golden egg, but I still have the, the screenplay and um, you know, we uh, a lot of it is the courtroom stuff. I thought maybe that's too boring, but we went to the Yale, Yale, I'm, I used to be at Yale, I went to the Emory um, uh, theater department and we paid them, the students to redo a reading out loud. And then we got feedback from them and, and the students said some of the courtroom scenes are actually the most interesting. So I guess it's because there's sort of a drama to it that kind of like theater, you know, that in, you know, like you, you talked to my sister Anne last on the last show. I mean, she's she's like she wanted to be an actress. You know, that was Whoa. her dream. And yeah, and uh, and being that's why she's good in court because it's kind of like acting and being dramatic and you know, kind of the way you present things and stuff. So, so those courtroom, you know, that's why shows like Perry Mason are popular. Those courtroom scenes can be pretty entertaining. You know especially when there's a lot of conflicts and reveals and stuff going on. So, so that, that movie has a lot of, um, 
a lot of court stuff in it. But anyway, so I started, then I started reading all the books I could find about screenwriting and cause it's kind of like a craft, you know, it's not like writing um, nonfiction or writing a novel. It's very different. And, and I participated in some, some online writing groups. Like there's a website called autonomy and, and um, where writers would go on and critique each other's stuff. And, and I wrote, someone said, well, you need to write nine screenplays. So I ended up writing nine or 10 screenplays just to sort of get the, you know, get the practice of it. And, and, um, and my daughter at the time was interested in, in film. So um, we said, oh, let's make, and I would pay her and her friends to read the scripts out loud so you can kind of hear what they sound like. Mm-hmm. So we said, well, let's, let's try this one. And, and before you knew it, I, my house was full of people with cameras and, <laughs> Actors and it was it was insane. You know, we we uh, did the casting ourselves. We rented a room at the Holiday Inn Indicator and then brought people in from Craigslist and paid them, you know, the kind of the low budget rate and and did a couple Kickstarter campaigns and I raised some money from my friends and family and stuff and I ended up paying everyone back because we were able to with the Georgia Film Tax credits and stuff we were able to do okay. So. All right. <laughs> but it's a lot of work, you know, just uh, even after it's done, it's like, you know, the promoting it and stuff. I mean, you have to do all that. And, and now there's no more money you know, <laughs> to, to pay for that. Well, I want to ask you some other questions about, you know, the story. And, and, and I see what you mean, too, about, you know, I, I know that Anne, um, I remember in your in your last book, uh she was talking about playing the piano and how that, how, how being a concert piano or learning to be a concert pianist or learning to play that well helped her prepare for, um, yeah. for putting together a concert. And I can see with the pacing and, and the blocking and, you know, not giving everything, like, like with a piece of music, you're not, not giving everything away in the beginning, you know, how you lead up to things like a, to see how that works. Um, but I got a lot of the questions for you. And also, if anyone um, has a comment or question for Doug Bremner about filmmaking, about inheritance of Italian style, writing, whatever, uh, give us a call at 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. Toll-free call in the continental U.S. Blog Talk Radio assures me. And... Uh, we're happy to bring you on. But for right now, I need to stop just a moment and play a couple of bits for people. Uh, I hope you don't mind, Douglas. And uh, we'll be right back. I've got a message from someone, uh, from several people. First of all, let me start with my old friend, Charles. So, Chuck, talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Well, well, I'll I tell you right now, Ernie, it don't matter who's going to coach this team. They don't got no talent on you it. And I don't, I don't really feel I talk That's kind of hard. I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right now. Do you want to talk about lunch? No. <laughs> what would you like to talk about, Chuck? See, Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madame Perry Salon. And I think Jennifer Perry... 
She's a great host. I mean, she got all these bestseller authors, Rostar, Purdue, all the dip comedians. What about people we that could, don't have rings? Here we go again. I got Real fun. Ah, 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 ah. But I think she's great, and I think people would love her show. She got a great laugh. She make the laugh come out of nowhere, like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's 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 a beautiful thing. It's not terrible. Do you enjoy watching movies? Yes! Do you like to hear other people's opinions on movies? Yes! And do you find that you don't always have the time to listen to an entire podcast about one movie? Yes! Well, then you might enjoy my new podcast, Living for the Cinema. My reviews cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique, but in less than 15 minutes. Check out Living for the Cinema on all platforms where podcasts are available. Ugh, what a day. I just need some me time for once. Yes, perfect. I got the new bath bombs today. Peach and clove, here we come. Mim and the Anvil makes the best smelling herbal blends of bath bombs. You can order loose or ground herb, added buttermilk, extra large, even ones with hidden gifts inside. There are over 25 essential oil varieties. After today, my body definitely needs some spiritual nourishment and lots of fizz. Her metaphysical blends are soothing in more ways than one. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. Make time for yourself. There are over 100 herbal blends of bath bombs. Keep a healthy body and mind. Feed your soul. Visit MimInTheAnvil.com today. If you don't make time for yourself, no one else will. All right, Madam Perry here, Jennifer Perry with one of my favorite guests, Doug Bremner. Doug, I am so glad you're here to talk about Inheritance Italian Style, and I've watched it a few times, and as I said earlier, uh, to me, it just reminded me of just that wonderful play, um, and to me, this is more also like a delicate dance and a wit and parry and so forth, just the way it's built of like uh, Moss Hart and George S. Kaufman, who wrote a lot of the Marx Brothers films, I believe, and things like uh, The Man Who Came to Dinner. Yeah. And, uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's – I mean, to me, it's a compliment. I hope that you like that. But, but just the way everything – because you have so many characters – to interact and so many subplots and stories and uh, you've got everything from uh, apathy to jealousy, infidelity, um, everything happening right there in front of you uh, in, in one big house. And it's just uh, uh, some, some romance, some intrigue, some backstories about who is this man that keeps visiting mother and uh, it, it's just got a lot. It's, it's, it's got a heart. But it's got a lot of fun too. Yeah, that's what some some people have said that that it has heart. Um, it's a it's you know it's a challenge. You know, with fourteen characters. I mean, people told me you can't write a your first movie with fourteen characters because <laughs> they won't be able to keep they won't be able to keep track of who is who. And originally, I had these really these I tried to make the names of the people you know, really strange. So originally they were even stranger and I changed a few of them to, to not, to kind of take it down a notch and not make it too ridiculous. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, like one of the main characters, Seconda, because she always feels like she's kind of, you know, treated like not as well as everyone else, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that people don't pay attention to her. So Seconda in, in Italian just means second. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and but you know what? I guess that that is some some people's idea of conventional wisdom that if you have too many characters, people that will get lost. But on the other hand, I think that um, I think it just shows to me that you did not underestimate your audience. You know, you yeah. you gave us credit for being able to keep up with with uh, more than three or four characters. Yeah, and, and credit to be able to you know not necessarily want to have just conventional names like, you know, Pam and Sue or whatever. Some of the names mm-hmm. are, are made up. Like one of the actresses is like, uh, why is my name Dupletia? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, because you lie a lot. Dupletia <laughs> 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 uh, and uh, Albanzo. So yeah, Albanzo. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Albanzo. He was he, that name doesn't really mean anything. It was just because he's from he's Albanian, so he's uh-huh. like the Albanian gardener. And then she kind of hangs out with the with the Albanian gardener, and she's like smoking marijuana and kind of hanging out with the gardener. And um, but uh, the gardener is like this sort of ridiculous, like blatantly ridiculous figure. He's kind of like Don Quixote. He's always <laughs> declaring his love using all this sort of language that actually some of it came from like Shakespeare and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're uh, I, I, I don't want to give away too much, but they are just, they are a fun couple. And sometimes they just come along just when you start to get a little sad or emotional about people, they, they come along and um, that's right. When you put a scene with depletion, Albanzo in there and it's just, it's just fun. It's just a delight, especially with their little, Fussy and, and uh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to give it away, but yeah, they're an absolute delight. Yeah, the, 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 the guy that the guy that played the uh, Albanzo was a, a radio disc jockey from uh, Charlotte, so he has that Charlotte, North Carolina. So he has that kind of um, you know, kind of bouncy, you know, kind of perky way about him, you know, because <laughs> he was on the radio, and you kind of have to be that way on the, if you're on spending hours on the radio and he, uh, <laughs> and he, he really liked me do, doing this and he ended up just sort of switching over to acting, I think full time. Oh, no kidding. After that movie. Yeah. His name so is Tim Ross. Tim. Okay. How did you find your actors? How did you, how did you audition and what were you looking for? Well, we, we, um, so some of the actors, like the, 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 the guy who played, um, Morris, Glitzky, the angry teenage son of the main character, is my son, Dylan, who, Dylan Bremner, who is an actor. And he's actually, like, now he's in Naples, and he's in the, the traditional theater there. He was in the, the theater at Padilla School in Atlanta and then, um, and then at Grinnell College when he was in college. So he's kind of acted all along. And then the others were, um, and we had Neil, you know, who's sort of just a natural ham. Mm-hmm. Then we did a, uh, we put like ads in, 
in uh, Craigslist and then in something called, I think it was 800 casting, sort of an online thing. And we tried to kind of go for like Georgia and, you know, Charlotte area, people that are within driving distance and Birmingham. And then we, we had people, we rented out a, a room at the, um, at the, I, I think it was the, the, one of the hotels in downtown Decatur. And, um, and then just, you know, brought people in and they did a, a little read, you know, we kind of scheduled them and they read one after the other. And then, and then we got, we did, we put in a casting call in, in LA and got some people to read, you know, make a videotape or they read something on the videotape. And so a couple of the actors came, you know, came from LA and we, we, you know, put them up for two weeks and some of them came from Charlotte, um, you know, Savannah, you know, kind of around. And, and then there's a lot of people in the Atlanta area that are into acting and the theaters. So some of the people came from the local theaters, like um, uh, the couple of theaters in, um, in little five points. And um, yeah. And just, couple from, you know, mm-hmm. North Carolina and uh, uh, people that have been acting in theater. So, you know, that's kind of a challenge because being in theater, you, you kind of project your voice more than in film. So it's a little bit different mm-hmm. technique. So you have to kind of dial people down a little bit because <laughs> um, they're used, you know, the, the guy that played Lucky was, he was doing a one person theater in France that was experimental theater. So this is like something completely different. Um, oh yeah, that is uh huh. Yeah, because otherwise, so yeah, you're, just, you're not trying to go for the balcony. Yeah. You're just trying to keep it more compact. Yeah, yeah. But um, so it it worked out. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun. But the bet. sound technician, she like you know, she was trying to record that that scene where they're all at the dinner table. There's like 14 people. And she, like, mm-hmm. walked, quit and walked out in the middle of it. It's like, I can't do this, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just too, too complicated. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. So then that, we had that's... to scramble in the middle of the of the thing and find another sound technician to come in and take her place. Oh, no. But, but <laughs> hey, you know, I know that had to be difficult. But I'll tell you what I tell people. Uh, as you know, I'm in entertainment. Whenever I have authors, when I get into certain places and things are going well and they're getting their confidence built up, if something goes wrong, then they start to freak out. And I go, look, this is how you pay your dues. And I know one client got so aggravated. She goes, how could you say that? And I go, okay, think about yourself, you know, with your favorite authors, whoever they are, you know, Grisham or um, – Ivanovich, whoever your favorite authors are, you're in backstage in a green room waiting to go on, and everybody's sharing their war stories of bad things that happened, embarrassing things that fell through. And if you don't have any, if you don't have any bad situations or bad stories to tell, they're going to take you out in the parking lot and beat you to a pulp, as they should, <laughs> because you will not have paid your dues. That's funny. So <laughs> they will give you an old yeah. school, like, you know, school ground whooping. And, uh, like this, this is part of it, and this is where the stories come from too. And thinking about, and, and I've never even thought about that. I see that, and you can see it in the picture on the on the uh, post that I put up, the big long table. And even I was, I guess I was so caught up in the story, I never even thought about the audio for that and what it took because um, I think the last thing that I worked on that had a lot of audio was a couple of years ago. It was the um, Stranger Things, and it was that. Uh, 
it's for people that watch Stranger Things. I think it was the second season with the, the big Fourth of July carnival going on, mm-hmm. and those big, you know, uh, muffled microphones over everybody, uh, the booms and so mm-hmm. forth. And I think about all those people, not to mention the sounds of the of the rides in a carnival, and where you know you've got yeah. people there, and you've got you know forks and plates and glasses and people eating in those sensitive uh, microphones. Gosh, how long did she last before she gave up? Because I'm just thinking that would be It was be about tough. three days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she literally just said, you know, screw this and, you know, use an expletive and, and, and just <laughs> left. <laughs> and, and then we're like, uh, you know, there's another, it was, I think it was the day before the scene where the Secunda is lying on the the um, the bed with her face down, crying, you know, and um, she's like, I can't get that sound, you know, her, her face is like in the pillow and it's all muffled and everything, and then the and then the cinematographer's like, well, it's seven o'clock, we got to go, you know, we're done, because like back then they were really strict about the time. I don't know, I think things may have changed now with Amazon and everything, mm-hmm. but. Um, so he, they packed up to leave, and it was like, well, we didn't get the sound of what she said. I said, just have her lie there, and we'll just record her saying it, you know, <laughs> and we'll just patch it back <laughs> into the video later. And it worked out fine, you know, just, I don't know, just stuff like that. We had a lot of that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, and then and then about halfway through, the, they were, everyone is sort of getting like they're going to have a revolt or a revolution, and they're all, all this kind of morale problems and so they're they're like well what you know what do you want me to do about it it's like well there's no hot food in the morning so i i literally started cooking eggs at seven o'clock in the morning myself like the director i'm cooking eggs for all the, these people it's like here eggs you scrambled eggs you know we could make uh you know we can get you know three dozen eggs and make scrambled eggs and everyone can now they can no longer complain that they don't have any hot food in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, because we had this idea what, originally, we'll, we'll just cook a bunch of uh, uh, spaghetti bolognese. We'll make like twenty-five pounds of bolognese <laughs> in advance and freeze it, and then we'll cook cook for them. They're like, well, we don't mm-hmm. like meat, or you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so then we kind of had to shell out for for like catered food you know which is sort of not originally part of the plan Mm -hmm. just because people you know didn't like whatever pack a lunch i mean (laughs) i mean they they call it the craft table you know the craft table so all the actors go and kind of hover around the craft table and eat the little potato chips and so now i, I kind of like i like eating potato chips with that that onion dip because it reminds me of being on a film set you know sort of a positive memory yeah <laughs> so i go to the drugstore and buy potato chips with one of those little cheap you know dips things you know and eat it, mm-hmm. eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what you know i think that um on that same stranger things i was talking about i know that they were so they had so many background people and that food was kind of it, kind of stuff. There was a lot of people they got to feed, so 
it was a whole week. She was, I just started bringing my own lunch every night. I mean, it was cold. It was October. So, you know, it's not like it was going to go bad before I ate. So I thought, just mm-hmm. pack my own lunch. Make it easy. And once that's one thing I tell people, and I didn't mean to bring this into discussion, but I always tell clients, no matter who they are, what they do, I say, if you want uh if you want to be noticed in the right way, if you want somebody to help you to promote your work or invite you back to their show or interview you again, be the easy person to work with. Don't be fussy. <laughs> be the yeah. person who's a joy to work with, who's easy. Don't 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 yeah. be the crap. So, um, what do you want of, of the different reviews that you've had? I was going to ask you a question about the reviews and what kind of things you like, but I've got a message here from uh, – and by the way, some people know this, and I didn't mention it earlier. Uh, if you're in a situation uh, where you can't make a phone call or uh, in here, you can always message me on Facebook either through Jennifer Maudette Perry or Madam Perry Salon with a question or comment. And Patty, uh, who lives in Michigan, says um, – let me get this. She goes – after all that that you went through with this film, after all that it took to put it together, would you make another film? And then her other question, she says, I've got a part two. Where can I see this film? Where can we find the film? So I'll, I'll answer the second person. So the um, the film website is Catania the movie, which is Catania is the city that where it take, the story takes place. So you can you can go to that website, or if you just Google inheritance Italian style, you'll find the website, and and then there's a watch now link that has all the um, all the places where you can watch it, and then there's also a reviews link where you can see all the movie reviews that have come out so far. But it's on Amazon, Amazon Prime, Vimeo, um, Tubi, Plex, Zumo, um, and and then Roku. Um, uh, and Tubi and Plex are, are free, but then they have ads, you know, just like the old TV days. Um, and, uh, yeah, but if you just Google Inheritance Italian Style, you should be able to, to find, or IMDb has a link to where you can watch it as well. Um, and then the first question, I had so much, I was so surprised, you know, because I, I did the film because I want, I had written the screenplay, and I really wanted to see what it would be like you know, to have this story kind of actually come to life. And, and that was my main motivation. But I had so much fun, you know, making the, directing the film and working with the actors and stuff. I mean, I don't, you know, up to this, I didn't know anything about acting. You know, since then I've read a lot about directing and stuff. So I think I know a little bit more, but it was just so much fun. It's so creative and, and the actors are, they're so, they, they really love their jobs, you know. So it's just really a lot of fun to, to work with them. So I, yeah, I do a film again in a heartbeat. I've been trying to put together the second film about a psychiatrist that takes on a crap drug company. It's called the goose of lady golden egg. Um, but we're just, you know, trying to put the money together for that, but we have that one all cast and, and the locations are all scouted and everything is ready to go on that one. Okay. And thanks so much, Patty, uh, for your comment and questions. Yeah, so now you know where and also, I will be sharing uh, the links to wherever you can check out this movie, uh, with Amazon, Roku, everywhere on all of my social media, not only for Madam Perry Salon, but Jennifer Perry social media as well, so that you can always find it. And um, i got to say, Rotten Tomatoes gave a 7 out of 10, 
which is uh, pretty good for Rotten Tomatoes. And there was also um, uh, a quote on there from uh, Alan Ng, reviewed for a film thread. He said, if you're looking for a light family drama, Inheritance Italian Style delivers a feel-good shot to the heart. I like that. It does. Yeah, that's actually the quote that, that, that Rotten Tomatoes actually pulled that quote, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. So he wrote the review, but then it was the Rotten Tomatoes website that, that selects the uh, the line that they're going to use. See, I didn't know anything about Rotten Tomatoes, and, and my wife is always like, well, could, you know, I don't, we're kind of one of these couples where I never decide what to watch. She, like, always decides, you know, because that way we don't argue. But, you know, so she just, she only uses Rotten Tomatoes, and I was, in just the last few weeks, I've been sort of trying to promote it a little bit, and and this other filmmaker said, you know, no one cares what people write on Amazon. The only thing that they care about is Rotten Tomatoes. And I realized he's right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, yeah. that's what people go to now when they're trying to, to to find something to watch. And the reason why is because the Rotten Tomatoes curates its reviewers, you know, so you have to be at a higher level to, you know, to be selected. They only have 3,000 reviewers. These are the, the Rotten Tomato reviewers, not the audience reviewers, you know. Mm-hmm. People look at the what the critics say that are on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's true. So uh, that's a, that's a, a big deal in itself. So uh, yeah, that's it's, I think all couples disagree on what to watch on TV. I do. It's everybody I know. Well, actually, my wife is gone now, so I'm watching all these old. You know, she doesn't want me to pay for stuff, so now I'm watching all the stuff that you have to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> like Spider-Man, but then also stuff like All Quiet on the Western Front, you know, stuff that, you know, you pay for. <laughs> but I use my own Amazon account, so she can't see that I'm, what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, you sly, slick, and wicked thing, Doug Brimner. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking, I usually close with a song from my CD. It's called Everybody's Got to Swing. And then I thought, no, I needed something Italian. I should have had something Italian lined up to close here. But all I have is a song by um, an Italian person who just got back. You know, when, uh, what was it, March uh, 2020, when everything locked down and yeah. for, from the pandemic. And this guy had, and he's been on my show several times, his pal, he had gone to Italy to visit family. And couldn't didn't get back until I think about a month ago. Oh wow! <laughs> no, so I'm going to go ahead then and close out with him. It's a song he wrote that you mostly know it by his uh, his, his late wife. Is it? It was a hit for her. Uh, Bad girls, Donna Summer, and this is Bruce Sedano with Bad Girls. And uh, you can take this in the best way possible, I'm sure, for some of the characters in the film. <laughs> Bad girls. But Doug Brimner, thank you so much. You are it's always, always a pleasure to have you here. And and you know, I never if you want to be here in Madame Perry Salon, the genie bottle in, in cyberspace, it is always a delight. You are always welcome. And so Italian excuse me, inheritance Italian style. Remember folks, I'll be sharing where you can watch it or if you don't see it, you can always ask me. Uh send me a message or call me. And I will be happy to share that. Doug Bremner, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. It was a pleasure. It's a pleasure to you, as well. So we'll close out with one of my favorite. You fell out. Sudano. I think we should 
Picking up all kinds of strangers. Right. You can't score if your pocket's tight. You want a good time. You ask yourself who they are. Like anybody else. They come from near and far. Bad girls. Talking about the sad girl. Sad, 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 sad girl. Talking about the bad It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.